0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI Podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Allison Horchsmeyer about curiosity, authenticity, and self awareness in the workplace. Dr. Allison Horstmeyer, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me here. I'm excited to talk with you today.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation. Today, we're going to be exploring curiosity, authenticity, and self-awareness in the workplace. Our roles as leaders in fostering that kind of an environment and modeling it for our people, and really just kind of the ins and outs of that. We're going to unpack that today. As we get started, I wanted to share... Allison's bio with everybody. Dr. Allison Horstmeyer is a leading edge talent and leadership development consultant, executive coach, and humanistic researcher. Her research focuses on curiosity and associated mental, emotional, and motivational attributes. Allison is considered one of the pioneering practitioners in workplace curiosity. You can find her work in various peer-reviewed journals and business publications, including Forbes, Chief Learning Officer, and CEO World Magazine, and in Harvard Business Review Press, Journal of Organizational Change Management and Developing and Learning in Organizations publications. Through her consulting practice, Allison regularly works with clients focused on multifaceted leadership, healthy team dynamics, and continuous innovation. Examples of organizations Allison has worked with include Hulu, Verizon Media, Marvel Technology. Uh, Transdime Group, Vanguard, Stanford Healthcare, and many, many more. Allison also serves as an adjunct faculty for USC Marshall School of Business Executive Education and was formerly the inaugural research fellow appointed to the USC Annenberg Center for Third Space Thinking. She believes we each are innately curious, we just tend to stifle it away. And I completely agree with that. I'm super excited <laughs> to explore this more. Anything else you want to share with listeners by way of your background before we really dive on in?
1: Uh Just really briefly, I, I could tell you I, I come from the corporate side. Originally, I, I built businesses at the intersection of media and technology and uh, It was there, I really wanted to find ways we could really show up as leaders in a more authentic ways. I actually started studying anxiety. I went back to school to study mind-body science and behavioral science, and uh, anxiety actually led me to curiosity, because I was wondering if we could be curious and anxious all at the same time. I thought I had something. I I didn't, um, because anxiety is inevitably part of curiosity. Uh, and now it's, it's just really fascinating to me how we can use uh, the dimensions of curiosity, uh, not only to get to uh, build self-awareness about ourselves, but also how we interact with others. So I think we spend a lot of time connecting curiosity to creativity and to innovation, which certainly the research supports that. What I'm more interested in, what my research has shown, and and other researchers who uh, also study workplace curiosity is that it is such a core ingredient to our interpersonal relationships. And so uh, that is really what I've been bringing into organizations.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. And maybe we can just start with curiosity. I mean, we all know the word, but what. Maybe you can define it for us in terms of how you approach it in your research.
1: Yeah, so I, I really see curiosity as multifaceted. I, I think we tend to oversimplify curiosity. We tend to view it as being inquisitive, which certainly it has that element to it. Uh, and it's so much more. It, it has a function of not knowing. So we we experience some kind of gap in a uh, knowledge or an incongruency in, in our experience or uh, a subjective belief is challenged. and that hopefully leads us to an exploration uh, because we want to find out uh, how we can close that gap get get into realignment with, uh, with the truth, really. Uh, And and that requires a level of openness, whether that is open-mindedness, openness to other people's ideas, openness to experience. It is the openness to experience facet that is shared with creativity, and the creativity research openness to experience is the leading predictor of creativity more than divergent thinking, IQ, and past experience. Um, And then the the fourth dimension, curiosity, which we're just uh, really starting to pay attention to is the stress tolerance. Dimension is managing that anxiety and doubt or stress of of exploration, and because it is multifaceted, we are each curious in different ways. So the question is not to ask if you are curious; the question is to ask how. So folks that want certainty, which I can understand in a COVID world, we want some certainty. They are curious because they will actually go explore to build their competencies to get back to certainty. And then there are those of us who enjoy the murky waters of ambiguity and uncertainty and uh, want to embrace more of the risk-taking exploration. And those tend to be our our creators and innovators. And we need everyone because we can't just be exploring all the time and testing and iterating and not executing. And we can't just be holding on to certainty and uh, remaining with what we know. Uh, We have to also be able to expand and execute. So we we do need everyone.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Well said. And and so with that in mind, in these different dimensions of curiosity, as you just defined, uh, maybe it's a no brainer, but spell out for us why this is really important in the workplace.
1: So we have so much change happening in our workplace. uh, We call it a VUCA world volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous I think given the confluence of events that we've all been experiencing this last 18 months we are uh kind of at the vuca heightened <laughs> world and curiosity if you if you reflect on these dimensions, what we're asking folks to be now is not to be an expert not to have it right be right perform um, be in self-preservation mode we're actually asking us at the workplace to be explorers to embrace the ambiguity and uncertainty to put aside our cognitive biases our preconceived notions even our past experience because what got what worked two, three months ago is not going to work today. Uh, and, and, I, and we we tend to go to what we know and then we're wondering why we're not getting the results that we need. And so we really need to have this element of not knowing to explore and to experiment. I, I'm really advocating for us to normalize experimentation and exploration in the workplace. And you can do it within certain boundaries. Uh, I'm not saying just you know, continue to experiment and see what happens. It's have it have an intentionality to it and, and, and a timeline, uh, but, but give us a space to do that. And then there has to be an openness to what's coming in. So if we are uh, you know, holding on to the status quo or we're an overdrive on action bias, then we're missing, the signals that are coming in, we're missing the cues from our colleagues. We are just kind of very much in our tunnel self-preservation mode. And then our stress tolerance is actually gonna go down and our anxiety is gonna go up. And I see time and time again in my work and in the research that if we actively explore, we're open to what's coming in, we take the time to reflect and integrate it, our stress tolerance actually goes up because we need these reference points to figure out what to do. And we can't just uh, be shut down and, and not take the initiative to get those new reference points, because um, that's the only way to navigate this kind of environment.
0: Yeah, and so I think you kind of started to touch on really what my next question was gonna be. Um, it seems to me like curiosity and the dimensions you were describing, uh, it's absolutely essential if we want creative and innovative organizations, and if we want to disrupt unhealthy toxic systems, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we talk about things like diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, we have to do a lot of dismantling, which means we have to do a lot of challenging assumptions and checking our biases and all of those sorts of things. All of this requires intellectual humility, Um and that's not always one of the top like characteristics <laughs> of, of leaders and executives and organizations. So, you know, people, people ascend in the organizational hierarchy due to their past experience, their successes, their intelligence, you know, their, their, uh, their work with an ability with people and so forth. And, and inevitably you're going to see yourself as an accomplished person, as an expert, even because you've risen to, uh, to a high level, um, what are the dangers of that though if we can't keep like our ego in check and we can't mm-hmm. maintain some intellectual humility uh, whats what's the danger of having a bunch of people leading organizations that just see themselves as the experts ready to now lead
1: yeah it's a great question because I, I think we we're, we're hopefully, given the environment, we're changing our definition of what what leadership is. And that is really about holding the North Star and aligning and motivating, organizing against the North Star. And you're empowering the people that you've you've hired to do the how to make that a reality. And that requires um, less top-down decision-making, right? Where we're actually networks of employees uh, and teams working together. I'll give you, and we want to have leaders to say, you know what, this is the direction. I'm not really sure how, how to get there. And I'm, I'm relying on you to figure that out. And I'm here to be a sounding board and to coach and to develop you so we can make that possible. Uh, I've, I've heard stories, you know, in the pandemic, for example, Novartis uh, said, you know, it was the leaders that said, you know, we have um, a supply chain issue. We can't get things out that we need to. And, and I don't know how to solve that, but I know we need to solve it to do X, Y, and Z. And the the, the leaders that said that to their teams, those, those teams uh, were the creative solution uh, problem solvers for that particular initiative. The ones that were more directive were a little bit further behind. So in the research also, we know that, Historically, top down decision making, preference for the status quo, lack of creative exploration time, and then fear of being ostracized for bringing unconventional nonconformist beliefs forward have been the primary obstacles to curiosity. So, if I'm in my expert mindset stance, it's typically uh, my way or the highway. and that's pretty much top-down decision making and we're being very directive and we have totally just squashed uh fundamentally self determination theory right yeah daniel pink uh really kind of commercialized that for us where we need to have autonomy we need to be have control over our decision making process empowered to to bring our talents gifts and abilities forward we need to be able to build our competencies and we need to be able to relate well to each other uh, but if i'm if i'm forced to conform conform in a certain box that's very limiting. You can see how all of those go out the window. I get extremely frustrated. I get disengaged. I get de-energized. Also, I am going to uh, be in a culture where errors are not welcome. So I'm an error avoidance. So there is no experimentation. There is no iteration. And uh, that also leads to uh, less um, creative problem solving and uh, also lower well-being. So, yeah. the, you know, it, it's just, it has such a debility, debilitating cascade effects through the organization. And then, you know, I get clients who say to me, nobody's coming to me with good ideas or new ideas.
0: and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
1: And I'm like, because are you modeling perfect? Does it have to be all wrapped up in a perfect bow? And, and you know or are we saying uh, come come with a half-baked idea, Let's debate it because debate and, and healthy dissension are the birthplace of creativity and let's see what we can form together. Um, so fundamentally, if you're modeling, it's, it's my way, you're gonna get pretty much a very limited creativity, uh, engagement, all of the things, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So intellectual humility is important. I I mean, it's important to have confidence and I want to like, own my my own capacities and expertise and and leverage those for sure but i but i also, but I also have to i also have to be able to acknowledge my limitations and recognize if i'm in a leadership role my job is no longer to be the expert my job is to facilitate the expertise of my people um, yeah. and so that's a fundamental shift that i think a lot of leaders need to make in their thinking you mm-hmm. also talked about the conformity piece that can really get in the way you know just maintaining the status quo and we know I mean, organizations exist, bureaucracies exist for the purpose of maintaining the status quo and maintaining the organization. Self-preservation of the organization is like a primary goal of how bureaucracies and, and organizations function and, and all of the mechanisms that are within organizations. And so we have to actively try to disrupt that and mm-hmm. to encourage dissension, to, to, to encourage um, people to, to speak up, to speak out, to challenge those assumptions. And, you know, you, you brought to my mind as you were sharing, you know, the example of the leader who only has people, you know, coming to them with, you know, why are you only bringing me problems? You're not bringing me solutions, Um, you know, and getting frustrated. uh, Nobody's coming to to me with good ideas. And it comes back to this this thing I hear all the time in organizations that if if I expect for someone to only approach me if and when they have a fully baked plan that's ready to be implemented and they just essentially need my sign-off and my rubber stamp, how often is that gonna happen? Is it reasonable for me to expect for that to happen? Um, Now I want to empower my people and I want them to know that I trust in them and and encourage them to like bring solutions forward, but it's not gonna be fully baked. It almost never is gonna be fully baked. And we need to encourage people to speak up and to speak out and to highlight when there is a problem and even come forward with an inkling of an idea of how to solve it, not just the fully baked version, right?
1: Absolutely, you know the uh, so there. So Spencer Harrison out of In said he just did uh, research on 500 CEOs and CEO's curiosity was directly linked to the strategic success of the company, um, and to the point of really showing that that could uh, bring an organization to fully embrace amb- ambidexterity. Which means we actually are reframing self-preservation. I think this is the invitation: How can you reframe your self-preservation into uh, self? You know, organizational evolution and competitive advantage. And we want you to be ambidextrous because that means you are not only good at maximizing your resources today, but you are equally good as as exploring on the fringes to get ready to maximize. Those uh, opportunities in the future, because if we're constantly just focused on today, you know that's going to lead to us uh, being behind, and then everybody grips down and gets even more rigid. Uh, the rigidity of what you're describing gets us more my, myopic in our view. Uh, you know, kind of digs our heels in further, and and if we could just. Uh, Give ourselves permission to have this kind of equal distribution of focusing on the present and the future then we will all be in such a better place. And it also gives us the invitation to say, hey, yeah, you know, you've got to do, we have got to make sure things are happening today. And at the same time, can you at least, you know, focus 20, 30% of your thinking and and focus on on the future? Because look at telemedicine, right? Before COVID, I was like, oh, this this telemedicine thing's not going to take off. And then COVID hit and people who were ready Uh, to service people virtually and digitally were the ones that were able to really uh, benefit us during that crisis. And and so I think the invitation is we we have to start reframing a lot of our old uh, beliefs and and ways of doing because they're just not sustainable in this world.
0: Yeah, well, I completely agree. I think that's an incredibly important point um to to challenge assumptions to reframe um when necessary and appropriate ultimately that can you know help us to at least move in the right direction right okay. um and so the, so i'm in, i'm curious uh how you see authenticity and self-awareness then connecting with uh curiosity and perhaps as an answer to developing curiosity
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, in, in my research, it was, it was really my study participants that brought this forward uh, about our intrapersonal curiosity, our curiosity about ourselves, uh, and the, the, the really interesting part to me was when there was time taken to explore uh, about how somebody was showing up or a belief they had or um, or something that was imposed on them socially that just wasn't in alignment with who they were, they needed to explore and figure out like what the the truth was, how they really wanted to show up in the world. And it was also tied to their core values and their self-concepts of who they believe they could be or should be in the world. And I also see core values as a a tremendous um, catalyst to how we're curious and, you know, because that informs our behaviors. And when, they took that exploration into finding out how they could show up more authentically. They actually felt liberated because they were letting go of constraints of what was had been imposed on them or what they believed they should be doing in order to conform to certain ways of, of being. And they felt that that was actually a, a more of letting go of their ego too. Right, so that kind of inner critic stuff and self-censorship was also let go. And in that discovery of what was true for them, then they felt they could be more authentic uh, and more authentically aligned with, with that self-concept self of who they really believe they, they could be and should be uh, in showing up in the world to be of service in the way they wanted to. I mean, uh, fundamentally, We all want to be of value, be valued and be connected. And this is what I believe our curiosity can enable us to be because we figure out, um, we look for ways to evolve and to contribute in the way that we we hope to as leaders as individuals as a parent, or uh, in, as a partner in a relationship. And then we uh, also are acknowledged for that value and we have deeper connection with with each other. So, I mean the the research also has showed curiosity is a gateway to empathy collaboration trust. Uh so so we know it can be this doorway, uh, but it starts with ourselves. I mean, before we can connect to someone else, we have to connect to to ourselves.
0: Yeah, very well said. Well, Allison, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown by. Uh, I, I need to let you get on with your busy day. Uh, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, uh, your all of your research and your, your publications and such. And then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. So uh, my website is drallisonh.com. So D-R-A-L-I-S-O-N-H.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. And
0: uh, last word, stay curious. <laughs> well said, well said. Well, thank you, Allison. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected with Allison, find out more about what she can do for you. Stay curious, continue to, to push the envelope, challenge the status quo. Um, I think all of that's super important. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like?